Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells the church, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he should know. In other words, if we think we know it all, we really don't know anything. So how do you know whether or not what you believe is true? Is it because you discovered it yourself and trust your own opinion, or is there a better way? Francis and Lisa Chan unpack these questions with Vince and Joe Vitale in today's episode, the second discussion in our One Table series. We hope this conversation helps you to approach scripture and one another in a spirit of humility. So today I want to talk about epistemology. It's one of the few big words I remember from seminary. But I, I remember we because it was like the first day. So that's when you know that's when you're still paying attention. And, uh, and I didn't know the word back then, but it comes from pistuo to believe. Like what what uh, it's it's basically the theory of knowledge, and I think it's huge because it's basically how do you know you're right. Like, how do you attain truth? And the reason why I think this is huge is because everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> and uh, and this is causing so much division in the church. And, and uh, you, you know, when people have an opinion, it's it's like, ah, there's, there's so much absolute, like, I know what I believe is true. And I feel like there's been so much of that in me. And there still is. Um, now, the way I used to think was that I should go in my office with the Bible, pray to God, and study by myself, and when I come out, I will have the truth. Um, now, I don't know why I thought that, that I would, you know, because sometimes I could come up with new ideas or new thoughts, or I wonder if anyone has ever seen this in the, you know, the Bible, and I used to think that was so good, I guess, but looking back, I'm realizing, gosh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid of anything I come up with in isolation mm-hmm. um, because there can be such an arrogance about that. Like, oh, no one figured this out until I was born. You know, rather than believing that Christ built his church and there's a foundation there of, of the apostles and the prophets you know, you've got the whole Old Testament and, and, and looking at, well, what have people believed in all of church history? And, 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 and why do I think that my mind is beyond theirs? Um, so I just thought it'd be a good thing to discuss because, you know, we have similar beliefs right now. I, you know, you, you may go off the deep end or I might, you know. Or, probably you. Yeah, probably. Most likely me, you know, from what I read about myself on the Internet. <laughs> So I, uh, how do we know we're right now, right? And this morning I was reading in, in 2 Chronicles 1, and that's that passage where Solomon uh, in verse 7 says, In that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father, and have made me king in his place 
O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, now be fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and to come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. Hmm. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honors, such as none of the kings who were before you and none after shall have the like. So I'm reading that this morning thinking, okay, this is the posture I always want to have, okay? No matter how old I get, no matter how much experience I have, how many books I've read, how many debates I've been in, it's it's just like... In my belief system, I believe all truth has to come from God. And so that's why Psalm is saying, okay, you've given me this task, but how am I going to do it? I, I, I need wisdom from you and knowledge from you. And then God grants it to him. In order, you know, that's what we prayed for before we started here. Like, God, we need you to give us wisdom. We need to, you to give us truth. And I'll confess... Many times I've opened the scriptures and not prayed that prayer. Um, prepared sermons without praying that prayer. Um, because, well, I know the Bible pretty well. I've been studying a long time. This, that, or the other thing. But but really, it's it's the idea of, well, how do I know I got it right this time? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would just love to hear your thoughts because I see in scripture, you've got 1 Corinthians 2, where it says the natural man can't understand the, the wisdom of God. You have things like uh, Romans 1, where God gives people over to a depraved mind. Mm-hmm. So, somehow God gives people over to a depraved mind. Here he, in Second Chronicles, is giving someone wisdom and knowledge. So how is that supposed to work today? Because it, it feels arrogant for me to think, mm-hmm. well, God's given me wisdom and knowledge, but not you. Okay, this has my mind going in so many different directions. Yeah. And you talk about wisdom. I'm thinking wisdom in many counselors, not just kind of mm-hmm. me in my office with my Bible. Mm-hmm in isolation and and then and then my mind went to um the show who wants to be a millionaire um now to take the conversation down several levels but bear with me for a second because when you were on that show and a lot of money was on the line and you got asked a question and you weren't sure what the answer was yes right (laughs) you would poll the audience yes and if your leaning was sort of you know towards answer b but 80 percent of the people in the audience said c like when money was on the line Mm -hmm. everyone knew Mm -hmm. that rationally they -hmm. should put more stock in the opinion of the community than in just them in isolation. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking that is really interesting that mm-hmm. when money is on the line, there is something in us that knows actually decisions made in community mm-hmm. have more weight to them than just our opinion in isolation. But yeah. we don't live that way. Yeah. I mean, all the time, I just preference my opinions over the opinions of others. And in particular, when there's conflict, like when mm-hmm. someone has a 
a criticism of me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so confident that I'm right and they're yeah. wrong. And I'm probably in the very worst position to be able to assess that criticism. Mm-hmm. My emotions are going yes. all over the place, right? And I'm already steeped in the beliefs that I had that caused the action that yeah. that it caused. But I, mm-hmm. just as a starting point, I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. that there's something in us, like when money's on the line, <laughs> we sort of know actually... I should prioritize the community and the community's thoughts over my own personal opinion, but I don't think we generally live that way. Mm. Yeah, because I don't find it hard to accept that I'm a sinner and that I do things wrong, but Mm. thinking wrongly is like a harder one to get to, you know, that... Mm. That sense of uh, I'm, you know, I, I every day I get things wrong, but the idea that in my thoughts or in my beliefs and my yeah. epistemology there might be deeply like wrong yeah. things in there—that's so much harder to get to. And I, I was thinking earlier about, um, you know, Jesus's commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and um, and how when I think about what it means to love my neighbor, I think like, oh, practical service, yes, like you know, do preference them before uh-huh. myself there's that sense of that's what that would mean but I don't think of that in terms of um, my my thought life or in terms yeah. of maybe I should preference them in terms of their belief over mm. mine that they might have mm. a better understanding of the truth than mm. I do um and and so I was I was trying to think like why is that like why is that so scary to admit like what is it in me that is so like grasping it I can't I can't be open-handed about about this and I I think maybe deep down there's like a a big fear element you know Mm -hmm. that this fear of if I don't um Mm -hmm. if I could have something wrong but I don't even know what that is then then how do I how do I have confidence and you know I think we we think the whole thing will unravel if we open ourselves up to even having the humility to admit there are probably things even now that I believe and think Mm -hmm. that I'm wrong about Mm -hmm. It just feels, uh, I think mm-hmm. it can feel very scary. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the biggest fear or danger is you think, I don't want to open myself up to cultural standards and beliefs. Like there is obviously a, a point where, yes. well, polling the audience is great, but who's in the audience? You know, like, is it God fearing, yeah. you know, like there's the scriptures that say, um, you know, you consider their their way of life and you imitate their mm. their behavior you know like you you've watched you've seen wow these people have character they have i've seen the way the lord works in their life i see their love their humility and so that i don't know you know it's hard yeah, mm-hmm. because like that's who i want to listen to i want to imitate those who i've watched live a life that is honoring to the lord and so we have to be careful too yeah. in some ways like well i can't just listen to Totally. Yeah. It's kind of like what they say about jury duty. You know, it's like when you finally get the jury, it's the people who weren't smart enough to get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard that. That's good. (laughs) And, uh, you you know, but it, it is everything you're saying, like, who is that crowd you listen to? Because the Bible says there's a wide road that leads to destruction and many will go through it. And then there's this narrow road that leads to life. And so I'm not saying, you know, don't be in isolation. Let's just go with popular opinion because all through the scripture, it's been about the majority is wrong. And you're going to, Ephesians 2 is about not following the course of this world. Yes. But it's it's a matter of like, for me, I, I've just had this desire to attach myself 
to church history uh, rather than attaching myself to my feelings or my thought for the day. You know, here's what I think. It's like, well, here's what people have thought for 6,000 years of what God says. This was their interpretation rather than, you know, just me in isolation, depending on how I feel. Like right now I'm jet lagged. So anything I come up with, even my mind on a clear day, you know, would do better than that. It's just. Yeah. What was the turning point for you? Like, was was it kind of a, a slow process of shifting there? Or was that more like a, a something happened and a light bulb went on and you were like, well, oh, why am I? Yeah. I was reading a bunch of books from Eastern Orthodox Church, Anglican, Roman Catholic, you know, that were kind of criticizing the Protestant church, people mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. And they had some really good points. You know, they said, you know, sola scriptura, you know, has become something like solo interpreto. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, that's great that you trust in the Bible and the Bible alone, but you're also trusting in yourself to interpret it by yourself. We're, you know, and they're saying, we're not denying this is the word of God. We're just saying that I don't know that I could trust myself to interpret it by myself. So we look at how when the church was one, how did they all interpret it? How the early church fathers interpret it versus what's this new thought that's coming out in the 21st century? And that's it's really countercultural because you yeah. think about all the language of like trust yourself, yes. self-confidence, self-realization, mm-hmm. self-taught. We think that's like a, a real compliment, like mm-hmm. you're self-taught. But you're saying like maybe that's not the best yeah. thing yeah. to be self-taught. And, and I was just thinking that in higher education – and like a lot of people, the education that they've received has been through a structure where mm-hmm. professors are on the whole assessed by their the originality mm-hmm. and the creativity mm-hmm. of their unique mm-hmm. scholarship. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of this whole system where you're not primarily assessed based on how you teach. You're primarily assessed based on have you come up with a theory that yes. no one's mm-hmm. come up with mm-hmm. before. You're the mm-hmm. first one to think of this mm-hmm. and it's particularly creative and unique. Mm-hmm. So aligning yourself with a longstanding tradition, which is going to limit the possibilities for the mm-hmm. conclusions that you come to, mm-hmm. is not very advantageous in a structure that's built that way. And many of us have had years and years of education mm-hmm. through that structure. So wow. there's really a distinction here between the way the church has thought about this over the centuries mm. and the way we're actually, most of us, being okay. educated in the 21st century. And people mm-hmm. would, when I said I was doing a PhD in the Old Testament, people would always say, oh, what's your original argument? And yes. my instinctive feeling was, I kind of hope I don't have one. You yes. know, like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying to maybe correct ones that I think are off. I'm trying to get people back to, yes. you know, but but it, that would scare me, even the mm-hmm. questions. I'm like, oh, like if, it, you know, if it's that original, it's, I've probably gone yeah. off base, you know, wow. but so it was kind of a weird dynamic. It's, it was the same in my world with speaking, like right. the speaker that came up with a new idea right. that, you know, interpreted right. like no one else did. And like, whoa, I never thought of versus getting up and reading a liturgical reading. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. in my world, it was all about creativity and say something different, say it differently, because that's why people want you to come. Right. We need to read the book of Ecclesiastes where it's like, there's nothing new under the sun. Yes. You know, everything has already played out 
we just are arrogant enough to believe that now in this time and space we're somehow more wise or more I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a little scary. And actually, when Vince, when you said I could stand on a soapbox about this one, but like the way I try to tell my kids all the time, like let them see the messages that the world is sending out, even just those, all the t-shirts, you know, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's truth, of course, right? We don't want our children to be pressed down and not, you know, but don't think more highly of yourself than you ought is what the scripture says. Like, that's not really popular on a t-shirt. But I was thinking about there's this like current trendy thing to say, I have to live my truth. This is my truth. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, I I hate to say it, but I really do think that is like a wicked thought from the enemy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you don't need to live your truth. That's actually going to be really dangerous Mm -hmm. Um, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, so our truth is found. I'm going to live Christ's truth. I'm going to live his truth. I'm not going to live my own truth, you know. Um, And so I'm hoping that young people will start to pay attention like, wow, that's not actually what the scripture teaches, you know, that we have to live our own truth, that otherwise we're not being authentic. You know, I've got to be my authentic self. It's like, well, you're most authentic when you are understanding who you are in Christ, you know, a new creation. Yes. Under God. Mm. Um, and so. Yeah. And I was thinking when, when, and when you have that humility vertically in terms of your understanding in relation to God and that you're receiving all of that from him, then I think it overflows mm-hmm. horizontally into your relationships with people as well. The uh, first Corinthians eight came to mind. It's always mm-hmm. been an amazing passage to me mm-hmm. talking about um, meat sacrifice to idols. And Paul basically says he thinks it's okay because there's really no such thing as an idol. But for someone else who thinks it's it's not okay, his belief could make them stumble. Mm. And so he's going to actually like prioritize their belief over his belief mm. and never eat meat again if that's what it takes for that person not to stumble. And I just just the attitude of the heart seems mm. so different from what mine often is this is my belief i want to argue for it make sure it's right and make sure everybody conforms to my belief and he's saying actually i'm going to like prioritize my brother or sister over myself even if that means me acting in such a way that conforms with their belief rather than my own i feel like that wouldn't even cross my mind today and i feel like in the context of the church like Mm -hmm. we'd be much more likely to say Okay, you guys who think this about meat sacrifice to idols go this way, and we'll go mm-hmm. this way, and yeah. we'll just worship in two different places. Mm-hmm. So that's always really challenging. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to read it. It says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This quote-unquote knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. I just love the way he mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, one, 
almost belittles this knowledge, this information. He goes, we've all got information, (laughs) you know, he goes, but if anyone imagines that he really knows, like in a biblical sense, knows something, then he doesn't really know like he ought to know. He goes, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Like, is, is this a goal? It's like known by him. See, we live in a world that is all about like being the most intelligent, like I can out debate you this versus like, God knows my name. Mm. God knows me. And this is why I'm filled with love for people. And this is why I just seek to build people up Mm. rather than just want my supposed knowledge. Yes. Yes. And, and when we even, when we do have a useful idea, I've always thought it's amazing. Like what an experience of grace that is like, my best ideas come like on a walk or yeah. in the shower. Like I'm not even, tr- I'm not trying yeah. to even have it. I think most people are like that. We actually like have our most useful creative ideas when we're just mm. resting yeah. and it's involuntary. It just pops into your head. It's the yeah. opposite of like something that's works based. So mm. even when we do have a useful idea, I yeah. feel like so often it's just in the context of God just giving that as a gift of grace. Like we don't yeah. get any credit for it. I didn't work for that idea. I just mm. like found it in my head, mm-hmm. something that God gives. And sometimes that can, that can be useful, but it's yeah. just, it's so uh, counterintuitive to think I'm the one who had the idea and I should get credit for it. That's not the nature of an idea. Yeah. It's just something you find yourself with. It's just a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious because people are listening and they're thinking, okay, well then how do we find truth? Right. What would you say would be the best way to right. know that you're right. <laughs> right. Because, you know, right. like they're all saying, right. don't don't believe everything you think, right? Yeah. You don't want to just, oh, I think this is true. Yeah. And so I'm going to fight for it. It's like, but where did that come from? How would you know? What would you suggest to someone? Well, I mean, as a starting point, you know, I think, I think Lisa said it so well. I mean, we, we have to receive knowledge from God. Mm. Sometimes I ask people to draw two circles, one one circle with, everything that they know in the circle and then one circle, which is everything there is to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the first circle is just so small mm-hmm. compared to, to the other circle to have confidence mm-hmm. in any of our beliefs mm-hmm. just on our own mm-hmm. would be irrational. You can only have confidence in your beliefs at all. If mm-hmm. someone who can see that whole big circle has stepped into your small mm-hmm. circle and told you what you need to know. And that's mm-hmm. why I think we have to start with revelation and we have to start with scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, we've been talking a lot about what is the role of church history? What mm-hmm. is the role of, of church tradition? And I think for me, that can be significant, uh, in particular, when I find in the church tradition, um, beliefs or practices, uh, I personally would say that I give more weight to beliefs and practices when they're early. Uh, so when they're close to the people who walked with Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, I would say probably when in that early stage of the church, they were formed at a time when the church was actually under persecution as opposed to being in a position of power, mm-hmm. because I think power can have a tendency to corrupt. And mm-hmm. there are all sorts of other advantages or benefits to mm-hmm. what you might believe or practice once you're in a position mm-hmm. of power. And then I give some weight to things which are long standing as well. Mm-hmm. If, if we've gone through multi-generations 
across multiple cultures and people have continually gone back to scripture and said, yes, this mm -hmm. is a faithful tra tradition. This is a faithful way to think about it. That mm -hmm. has, has some weight for me as well. Uh, and just recently was reading the, the Didache, mm -hmm. this first century text, which is not scripture, mm -hmm. but in, in some way we believe came from the teaching of the apostles and it's sort of instructions that were sent out to the different churches. And I found it really helpful. I'm mm -hmm. not treating it like scripture. I'm going back to scripture and testing it. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at the things that it emphasized, it was uh, things like communion, repentance, reconciliation, fasting, uh, seeking out the community of the church daily, mm -hmm. as opposed to just like weekly on a Sunday, uh, caring for the poor. But real quickly, those are the things that I wrote down. And mm -hmm. I found that really helpful because mm -hmm. I thought most of the churches I've been a part of, 21st century America, if I, you just said write down the five or six things that were most emphasized, I'm not sure that a lot of those things would would make the list. So mm -hmm. I found it really helpful to go back and say, okay, what were the first century Christians, those who were close mm -hmm. to Jesus, some of those who had walked with Jesus in the mm -hmm. context of their communities, proportionally, what were they saying, this is what we need to, to mm -hmm. emphasize? Mm -hmm. And then asking, do we still mm -hmm. emphasize that today? And if not, why not? So I think we mm -hmm. need to continually go back mm -hmm. to scripture, but there's mm -hmm. also a role for tradition and history in that respect. Yeah. I think there's just like a a logic to that that we we kind of skip over um in our 21st century you know because to your point jesus is the truth right mm -hmm. so even if you want us to put back to how do we know anything okay mm -hmm. well jesus is the truth and and we can believe that because because of his his claims about who he was and the way that they were backed up in the resurrection yes. so that's how we know mm -hmm. that jesus is the truth so that's our starting point so then you know why vince says we look to scripture as truth is because we want to treat scripture the way Jesus treated it. Mm -hmm. And he treats it as mm -hmm. the word of God. And so that's that's how we know how to treat the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there to saying, okay, well, um, what gives us the window into seeing who Jesus is? That's the New Testament writings. And um, we, we could talk all day about all the historical reasons why they're reliable. But, you know, part of the reason that... that um, that they come to be uh, treated as scriptural in the first place as authoritative is because they're the first witnesses to the life of Jesus. That's mm -hmm. how um, we know he he claimed to be that they were willing to die for those claims. That mm -hmm. you know they're the they're the earliest writings. Even um, Peter and uh, Paul, the way they you know refer to mm -hmm. what they're writing, there's a mm -hmm. clear understanding that they they understand themselves to be writing mm -hmm. scripture. So from the very earliest point, the New Testament is kind of set apart in that way, and that's how the early church mm -hmm. treats it. But um, but you know, we could talk a lot more about canonization and all of that. But but my point being that we we kind of recognize that and we say, okay, that there's a lot of reason why we treat scripture as authoritative. Mm -hmm. But a big part of that is because it's early. And yet we kind of forget, oh, but there are other sources that are early mm -hmm. too, that yeah. aren't understood to be scripture, but mm -hmm. but nevertheless, they're still closer than we are <laughs> mm -hmm. to those practices, to those traditions. And yet we're so individualistic in our kind mm -hmm. of mindset today but also i think we're, we're kind of snobs about history that i think in our heads we think mm. we're so much smarter than they were back yes, then i don't yes. even know why we have this idea that intellectually we've evolved <laughs> and i think it's because we think mm. culture is somehow progressing in this line where we're just getting you know more righteous um more wise and you know sometimes uh, culture mm. does go in a good direction but i think it's much more of a yes, kind of an ebb yes. and flow mm. than it is like this trajectory of ever increasing like wisdom and knowledge we you know we, we may know more to your point yeah. but knowledge kind of puffs up it doesn't yeah. always actually yeah. 
point you in the right direction. So I think, yeah, we skip a step um, today in the church, which I think is exactly where you started, Francis, that we've kind of overlooked um, just these really helpful resources. Yeah, I just was making the connection in my mind. I watched the Flintstones when I was a child. (laughs) And I was thinking, you know, there was this idea that there's like cavemen, like, you know, this evolutionary thought from the enemy that wants us to believe that, like, that's why. I I was thinking, oh, yeah, why do we think that? But it's because you're kind of fed this idea that there mm-hmm. was the cavemen who first discovered fire and they're walking around like, hoo, hoo, hoo. like they can't, don't even have words, you know, like this, this is the cartoon depictions yes. and the things, even watching the Flintstones, they were, you know. <laughs> or as I think Will they and were, Betty were pretty smart. Yeah. Like I was, was going to say, I think those, whoever was there inventing stuff is way smarter than me. I want to figure out how to like start fire and create a wheel. You know, this is this whole idea that we're yeah. cleverer now than hey, then. Yes, you know? We just yes. got back from Israel and we were um, in this city, um, Caesarea, mm-hmm. and it's actually was uniquely mind-blowing, not from a like, well, you know, you're walking in the place that the Holy Land, right? Yes. But it was because um, Herod built like this wonder of a port in a in an area where there was no like he had yes. volcanic ash, like brought over on ships, dropped in certain places so that he could build a port. He wanted this to be the most amazing, glorious place. It was like a scientific wonder, and I'm thinking, wow, that was so long ago and you don't realize like yeah we're thinking we can Mm -hmm. do such even architecture or but they're saying he was doing things that were like mind-blowing like it's a wonder well and it's yeah such an interesting thought that even you mentioned like from an evolutionary perspective we would kind of think that we're just progressing Mm -hmm. in our knowledge in our morality which i've always thought was you know you look at the 20th century and it's just I feel like we have a real overconfidence that culturally we're just getting better and better morally. Yeah, it doesn't seem to square with the facts. And even from that evolutionary perspective, it's so interesting. And people have made this this argument. Alvin Plantinga made this argument really well. But if you take God out of the picture, everything about us is aimed at survival, not mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. So our brains, from an evolutionary perspective, mm-hmm. if you take God out of the picture, are aimed at trying to produce survival conducive beliefs, hmm. which are different than true beliefs. Hmm. And we just assume that our brains are giving us true beliefs all the time. Hmm. And even that isn't necessarily rational hmm. if you take God out of the picture. It's sort hmm. of like um, stepping on a scale and thinking it's going to tell you the time. Like if you step on a scale, it doesn't tell you the time. It tells you how much you weigh. You might even get it right like a couple times a day, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a, you know, 16, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what it's intended for. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people, how many of us just walk around thinking that just naturally there's some way that we would our brains would produce true beliefs. Mm-hmm. You take God out of the picture and there's no reason to believe that. Mm-hmm. So guess what we like what we're getting to is that um you know to Lisa's point, it doesn't work just just you know to live this idea of everyone just live your own truth. You know, you have to be able to say at some point yeah. that isn't true. <clears throat> you have to be able to disagree. You can't just say, oh, what it means for me to love you is to listen to you mm-hmm. and agree with everything you say and say, mm-hmm. of course that's true. There has mm-hmm. to be 
um, a revelation. There has to be an authority. Um, that is God who came in Jesus. Um, that is uh, scripture. But what what we're looking at is how do we get closest to that that source of truth? How do we get the most reliable information? And who's the most trustworthy mm-hmm. audience? <laughs> Back to pulling the audience. Who who are we looking at? It's uh, it's those who live faithfully, like you said. But yeah. also there's there's a sense in which those who um, lived under oppression, those who were there closest to the events, are, are maybe handing on the traditions in the nearest way mm-hmm. to what you saw in the mm-hmm. early church and and there's something really unifying about that because when you're trying to like come together today I think part of the obstacle to unity in the church is that whatever tradition you came to know Jesus through mm-hmm. you're emotionally attached to it yes. right you know yes. it's like a memory of a first date it's like oh he bought me yellow daffodils so now they're my favorite flower and yeah. they're always gonna be my favorite flower and but you know there's a there's a sense in which you, you kind of hold on to the 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 things that you've known, um, and and there, there might be good reasons for that, um, that you've experienced good things in it. Mm. Um, but if we each have our own favorite, mm. um, it's really hard to come together because when you when you think, oh, but if I join you, I have to sacrifice mm. my preference or my my favorite thing or or the way that I've always done it here. But actually, if if you're not saying, well, you need to become like me or I need to become like you, but actually we're going back and saying, well. What did they do at the beginning mm. and how do we all need to kind of like mm. come around that? Then mm. then it's sort of a unifying thing because you're not saying you have to, you're not saying I get my way and you just, you're wrong, I'm right, you need to sur- surrender. But it's saying what did they do mm. first and how do we all get stuck in our little silos? And then mm. how do we come around scripture and in each generation go back and test that for what mm. our cultural biases mm. might have been. Because the other the other danger in this is that we just say older is better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think Christian thinking about slavery is one example yeah. where actually the church over time wrestled to a right conclusion about that. But you know, you had the seeds of it in Augustine, you had some seeds of abolitionist movements in the fifth century, but it's not till I think like 1833 or around mm-hmm. there when uh, slavery is abolished in, yeah. in the British Empire, mm-hmm. and people were you know going back to scripture and saying, "What are the cultural biases here? What was what mm-hmm. were we inheriting from the cultures of our day mm-hmm. through generations that we didn't have the courage to question? We didn't have the courage to go back to the scriptures mm-hmm. and read them properly and see the trajectory of scripture mm-hmm. in terms of the value." of every person. So it's just, I think it's this yeah. nuanced dialogue as well, where, you know, for me, if a tradition is early, if it's long lasting, if it came to the fore through persecution and not from a position of power, I give it weight, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it can't be overridden, especially mm-hmm. if that's through a long process of a community thinking together mm-hmm. and going back to the scriptures generation after generation and ultimately coming to a, mm-hmm. a strong conclusion so we have to have that in both directions i think i think the key thing there is not overridden because now it's our social justice issue or now we just know more but more overridden because we're going back to the scripture in the first place and saying you know with humility i think we actually really got this wrong because if you're actually just looking at the text and the liberation that's so clearly in scripture mm. when you read the whole like there's only one real like yeah. leading yeah. of what it all means for everyone mm-hmm. to be in the image of god and i have a friend of mine who runs um the jude 3 project called lisa fields which um mm. is a focus on apologetics particularly for the black church in america and and she makes the point how actually you know even like colonial the colonial slavery mm-hmm. um in order to justify that because people are saying well you know the yeah. bible is pro-slavery or whatever yeah. but they actually had to have their own slave owner's bible where they took out passages of scripture mm. 
scripture. Mm. And so if people are saying like, oh, scripture is pro-slavery, we need to do away with the Bible. She actually responds by saying, no, like um, they had to strip the Bible of text in order to justify it. So mm. actually, if, if you want to have a, a true vision um, mm. of, of God's heart for equality, you actually need a higher view of scripture, not a lower one. Mm. And I think that's a great example of saying we need more of scripture, not less. Um, yeah. But that's how you get there, not through a kind of unpicking of just this is my preference, this is my feeling, this is, you know, but, yeah. but no, what is the Bible really saying? And can we with humility admit we really got this wrong because of our investment in power and institution mm-hmm. and yes. mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Well, that's the thing is we, we so often argue for what we want, yes. right? And we, we t- you know, like you were saying, like we're not really after truth or humans, you know, or, or after survival or, you know, improvement of their lifestyle. And so when it comes to arguing for something, you argue, you know, for example, we have some friends in town and, and I'm like, well, you know, I would say they're from Hong Kong, so let's go get Chinese food. And Lisa's argument would be, no, they like American food and they're in America. And so let's get some, we'll get burgers. You know, it, it's just, we're just arguing for what we want, yeah, right. you know, and figuring out. And how often people do that with scripture. They desire something. And it's like, I really want this to be true. And and this has been uh, my fight with scripture is just coming every day and going, God, I don't care. Mm. You know, I think it's so important to go, God, I don't care. I really don't care. I just, I want to know what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of that is going to lead me to doing some of the things I don't want to do, right. but I want truth. And so then in community, it's, it'd be like, if Vince and I disagree on something, then it's like, I, I just want to come to you and say, look, I, I don't care. If you're right, then let's go with it. If I'm right, let's go with it. Let's just try to find this. It has to be that common ground mm-hmm. of just putting our hearts aside, our desire aside and saying, I really want truth. I was thinking about uh, Jeremiah 9. Um, verse 12, it says, who is the man so wise that he can understand this? To whom has the mouth of the Lord spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through? And the Lord says, because they have forsaken my law that I have set before them and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it, but have stubbornly followed their own hearts. And have gone after the Baals as their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations. You know, it it goes on, but he's just saying these people have stubbornly followed their own hearts. And that's, that's what we just have to be so careful of. Yeah. Our hearts being so deceptive in what we want. And everyone is coming to the table with these desires. Mm. And somehow if we can just say, hey, and that's what I'm hoping this is, is the more we discuss different theological issues, the more we go, look, I don't really care. And to be able to mean that and go, God, I will live anywhere, do anything, wear anything, drive anything, you know, believe anything. I just have to know that it's true. Um, and and to get to that point in your life, that's what I'm hoping for people. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 
I was really moved a few weeks ago. I think it was one of the elders in We Are Church. He mm-hmm. he, he apologized to the group because uh, he had made a dis- like a life decision, mm-hmm. and he felt that he had not adequately involved mm-hmm. the community mm-hmm. in in the decision. And actually, mm-hmm. he had done something wonderful. Like yeah. he had, it was it was an act of service yes, that yes, he had yes. sacrificed to be yeah. able to do. Yeah. But right, but he felt like he hadn't. And it was it was this. I was really moved by it, and I think the thought process was, you know, what I'm not always in the best position to come to the truth or come to the right decisions, even about my own life. Like sometimes yeah. I'm in the worst position mm. because I can't, you know, see the trees through mm. through through mm. the forest. I need to come to the community and say, actually, like I I trust your collective wisdom more than I trust mm-hmm. my wisdom, even about my own life. And I feel like you know we're thinking a lot about the church and traditions and denominations mm-hmm. and unity within the body of Christ. But I feel mm-hmm. like it needs to start there, like actually mm-hmm. living in the context of real community where you would say, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, but I don't care if I'm right. I actually want the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this before a community of people and say, mm-hmm. I trust you with my life more than I trust mm-hmm. myself in isolation. I found it really moving. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm so used to like preaching a sermon to where like at the end you've got this awesome conclusion that makes everyone do something. <laughs> and I'm like racking my brain over here like, okay, how do we time this up? What is the conclusion? You know, because I just want people to think better, yeah. to be more humble and to go, gosh, I can't just assume that I'm right all the time. And to give grace to other people to to, to think through what, what is the history of Judeo-Christianity, because there's so many thoughts that are flying out there today, and it's leading to a lot of division. Um, but I, a friend of mine, I, his name is Jeremy, and uh, he wrote this j- just the other day. I thought it was so relevant to our conversation, but he just said, he said, right now, you believe something that is deeply, hopelessly false. Remembering that helps you to treat others with grace and respect and with a desire to learn from them. Mm. I just thought it was a attitude of humility that would be helpful for yeah. me. That's for good. Yeah, I just remember uh, one of our professors in college who said, I have holes in my theology. Mm. I know I do. I just don't know where they are. You know, and we have to start with that and go, I know I'm not right about everything I believe. Um, I held on to a lot of the things that I was first taught because there's people that led me to the Lord, like you said earlier, that there's a loyalty to that and you don't want to let go of that. But you don't want to assume just because I got saved, you know, by that group of people that they're right about everything. Mm-hmm. It's just this ongoing pursuit of truth as long as we're looking to the scriptures looking to historical Christianity, what have they believed? As long as we are working together and and really repenting of any desire that's from our hearts Mm -hmm. and to say, God, I need wisdom, I need truth, and have that attitude like Solomon saying, my whole point is I want your people, I want want to be a blessing to your people. I want to bring them closer to you. And so, God, I can't do that on my own. I can't just go in a room and study and get that there's something you have to do. And so I just encourage people to just 
humble themselves and pray and believe. And then when we converse about these things, like Ephesians says, do it with all humility and gentleness, having this eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so, man, I hope that wherever this goes and when we get into disagreements, whatever, that we always go back to that humility. Look, I don't care if I'm right. I just, I need to know what truth is. And let's just pray about it. Let's study it together and believe that God is going to give us wisdom. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.